of the Habibis. Ramadan is over, Eid is over. It's all back to normal days, normal weeks, full year ahead. My name is Rami Ismail. I'm your host for today. And I'm Osama Doryas. It's all done. It's yes. in the books. Did it again. <laughs> so the next the next Ramadan is going to be just around the corner now. That's how it right, usually like works out. A few, a few weeks out. <laughs> exactly. It goes so fast. It goes so fast. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, when we're recording this, it's not yet exactly no, but I'm really curious what that special iftar with your kids is going to end up like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still discussing it, but honestly, it it's, looks like it's going to be... Um, uh, it's going to be Indian food, butter chicken, and pizza because the kebab vote was apparently just a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> Someone was trying to put me on the spot. So it looks like it's going to be Indian food and pizza, but I'll let you know. All right, but I was on Team Watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> we I'm might also what have happened? watermelon. <laughs> oh, we'll definitely have ice cream. One way or the other. We're going to have so many sweets. Ice cream is definitely going to make it. <laughs> That's good, for sure. <laughs> yeah. For people who who don't know what that's about, listen to the super secret guest uh, Sahur Bite, and you'll get the idea. <laughs> it was uh, it was good. I, it um, the Sahur oh, Bites were really fun. For me, there's a lot of there in terms of games. It's been kind of a weird week, I must say, because I've I've just been waiting for Mass Effect. Honestly, that that's it. So I haven't played much. Have, have any of you played much, Osama? You? Yeah, I actually played a game called uh, Second Extinction. Um, I see. I saw it, it's a game that's in early access. It's a shooter, like a, a squad shooter or like a, a co-op shooter, uh, similar to Left 4 Dead. Not exactly the same as Left 4 Dead, but similar to Love, Left 4 Dead, except instead of zombies, uh, you're fighting dinosaurs. Um, and it's in early access, and I only played it alone. So I can talk about it, but I don't think I had the actual intended experience. Uh, playing like, like Left 4 Dead type games alone is not the same, right? Um, mm-hmm. So l- let's talk about it a little bit. Uh, but the the way the setup that uh, they they have is that they send you on missions. They also have a free roam mode where it's just like you know open world, go anywhere and just shoot things if you want till you get bored. Uh, I guess it's a cool mode to like experiment with your guns and weapons and stuff. Um, I, I did that. I dabbled in that a little bit. Uh, then I went and 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 played the regular missions. I don't know if it's because it's early access or if it's because I got unlucky. But the mission types, like what they have you doing, was a little bit samey. It's always like uh, pick up some eggs or like turn off these buttons. Uh, that wasn't necessarily a, a bad thing, but like I, it could have used a little bit more variety. Now the animations were stunning. the uh, the The animations of the dinosaurs themselves they were elaborate. Like the dinosaurs, when you hit them, they flinch in a believing believable way. When you melee them. They, they have a different animation, a different reaction. And if your timing is wrong with the melee, they actually dodge you. Like things like that were oh. pre- pretty cool. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, initially, a lot of the, the, the fodder dinosaurs that you fight off, even though they have different abilities, they kind of have the same or similar silhouette and they're the same size. So it's kind of difficult to like, you have to like squint and be like, which one is this one? Is this one the one that just runs at you? The one that burrows underground? The one that has armor? The one that turns invisible? So like it would have been a little bit better to have them like look different. Like the game is a little bit dark uh, and there's snow and... Um, like visibility is a little bit difficult. So like figuring out how you're going to engage uh, is difficult 
to to parse all the different enemies that you're fighting until like a more a, a bigger dinosaur shows up and then the focus changes. Like I fought a triceratops and that was fun. The the triceratops you cannot shoot its face like its head. It's perfectly armored. So it's all about like dodging to the sec to, at the last second when it charges you and shooting its sides. Um, that was a lot of fun. I, I love dinosaurs. I didn't really like shooting herbivores <laughs> too, too much, so I have to like Aww. detach myself from from that feeling while I'm playing. But you know, when it's charging at you, it's really easy to justify shooting it. <laughs> um, the game itself uh, it feels unfinished, even though it is early access, so it is unfinished. Um, the first character that I picked up was a character called Amir, and of course, if you're going to include an Ara- uh, like a character with an Arabic name, it, they could also be Southeast Asian or Persian, um, because he spoke perfect English with a perfect uh, like American accent. So I couldn't really tell where the, he was intended to be from, but he was brown, and his name was Amir. I picked him only to realize that his gun like was like a grenade launcher. Um, and it wasn't meant for for to be the like being the only character was a challenge with him. Mm-hmm. Because you needed a tank type character, um, otherwise they swarm you, and the grenade is not good when every, everyone's up close to you, as you can imagine. So it's not like every character was balanced to be able to go solo. Uh, I looked at one other character, and her ability is that she healed the group. So like the, the characters had a mix of abilities that helped the group, and a mix of uh, uh, some of them had abilities that are just very very solo. So I had to switch away from that character; it just wasn't working. I don't know if later on there's like a progression system that rebalances them, gives them more abilities or guns. Uh, but I just took a tanky type character and I did infinitely better. I did way, way, way better. The game got much, much easier. So there is a, a balance issue. Uh, and that's a, a tough challenge. Uh, that's a, t- a tough problem to, to fix. Like how do you uh, make a character viable in both single player and co-op? Uh, it's not that easy. Uh, usually it just requires more more features, more content, like you give them more options. Uh, and that's something that's hard to ask of a small studio. This looks like it was made by a, a smaller studio. Um, overall, I, I did enjoy my time with it. Uh, I did not play it with other people. And I, I did get swarmed. It got difficult because, you know, try to play a Left 4 Dead game alone. And it's not like Left 4 Dead where if you play alone, you have co-op AI partners that at least... Uh, help you this is if you're alone you're alone and i'm not sure if the game was balanced otherwise the ai of except for the big dinos the ai of the little dinos was a little boring it was very seek and destroy um and so you're you're playing most of the match by running backwards and shooting at things at a serious sam if if you know what i mean yeah i mean I made, and, I made yeah. a serious Sam game even. <laughs> yes, you did, where you do exactly that, where, where yeah, you run the, backwards. Yeah, it was, it was a turn-based RPG, but yes, you, turn, you run backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Like, when you play a Left 4 Dead, usually you have other, uh, like, the, there's always the loom of the, um, of the specials that could be at around any corner, and they break that up a little. Plus, you're, you're, you're always driven to move forward. Otherwise, you get swarmed. Here, it wasn't exactly like that. It didn't have the same intensity. So I did spend most of that the map engaging, running backwards to the last point while shooting the dinos, and then moving forward again. So there's a lot, a lot of like forward and back. So there's there are a few things to tweak. Uh, I'm not sure when it, the game's actually going to release, but I'm, I'm they're, they're not huge changes. They're small tweaks that they have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, I enjoyed it, but I'm looking forward to playing it with real people because that's really the intended experience. Right. Well, Sam, I'm curious, um, like with with larger sized dinosaurs, how was the swarm feeling like? 
Oh, they, they feel just like they're still there and they are still swarming you. So I was wow. like running backwards from while the Triceratops was chasing me, shooting the other dinos because I can't shoot the Triceratops in the face, dodging at the last second, focusing on the on the, the Triceratops, uh, uh, shooting it in the side, and then running backwards again while shooting the, the dinos. It doesn't sound great. It's actually fun. The, that experience was like, you know, like the, the switching between the different targets while while fighting a, a big one was actually a lot more fun than just running backwards and shooting. Uh, uh, there's still a little bit of dodging to do when you're uh, shooting those the little dinos. Like The little dinos, by the way, are like Velociraptor size. And I think mm-hmm. I, I assume they're actually Velociraptors, but they had different flavors of them. Like there's, they, they've evolved, uh, haha joke. Uh, like some of them, uh, like turn invisible <laughs> as I mentioned. Some of them actually ha- like they, they have rocks on their heads and on their hands and they curl up in a ball. And if you shoot them, you, you, you won't get them. You'll have to actually like move to the side and, and shoot them or just. But the thing is, if you just run backwards, eventually they're going to get out of that formation and you could just shoot them again. So there's, like, there's never a need really to break your I'm going to run backwards and shoot them part, uh, except when the big dinosaurs are there. And then it becomes a lot more interesting. Sounds like a lot of fun, actually, uh, uh, especially yeah. like with multiplayer. Yeah, right. I'm sure that's where it shines. That's it. That's that's what I played this week. I mean, I also <laughs> played a crap load of Call of Duty, way more than I should have. I finished the season three battle pass. And Wait, isn't that like out stuff. for like three weeks at this point? The season three, yeah, yeah. yeah. I played you way too fast. much, way too much Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, it's it's it's, nice. it's my comfort food game these days more than anything else. Not uh, supposed to eat during the day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though. It was so good, and I didn't have much else to do because there was no eating during the day, anyways. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So who's next? Uh, uh, I can go next. Yeah. So um, huh. I'm gonna continue the. Um, uh, I, I watched a movie and I played a video game. So I want to talk about a movie. I can continue my uh, my Oscar run of uh, of uh, Oscar movies. So I've seen uh, Promising Young Women. Uh, sorry, Ooh. Promising Young Woman is the movie, uh, is what it's called. Um, that movie got nominated for five no, uh, five Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress, wow. and um, ended up winning Best Original Screenplay. It is another directorial debut movie, which is which is like really fascinating. I think there was like three directorial debut movie this year, if not more, that just like, you know, director makes a movie for the first time, gets nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> uh, this one is by Emerald Fennell, um, who is an actress. Um, she's been in a lot of movies before. And she's a writer and a producer. So she's been, she's been in the industry for quite some time, but this has been her first... Um, uh, directing movie. She also wrote and produced uh, the the movie itself. It is um, uh, it is a it is a hell of a ride. I'll tell you that much. Like um, it's really one of those movies that kind of keeps you at the edge of your seat. Um, of course, I'm going to avoid talking about uh, the plot as much as I can, um, right. <laughs> because um, I don't want I don't want to create any spoilers. But it's it's basically um, it's a movie about uh, predators. So it's a very, you know, difficult subject matter to tackle. And what I liked about the movie the most is that it, um, 
it has this really interesting style of of weaving so many different styles of movie while you're watching it. Like the movie starts off uh, like you like you're trying to figure out what's going on, then turns to thriller, uh, drama, romantic comedy at some point, back into drama. Um, it kind of like uh, it messes with viewers' expectations at all points. So every time you think that you know what's going to happen, it kind of like takes a takes a nice turn around. Um, very intense movie to watch, um, but but super good. Quite uh, quite enjoyed that one. Um, good. I've yeah, heard only so, good uh, things about it, so so definitely yeah. a movie that I'm gonna add to my list. It's an easy to recommend movie because like you know a lot of Oscar movies, you know like the two movies I spoke about last time. It it's like you know like. Um, a slow, uh, uh, you know, methodical work of, cin- of cinema. Like, you know, th- th- there's certain types of people that really appreciate that more than others. Um, I feel like uh, Promising Young Women, like, has a much wider spectrum. Um, and as you're watching it, you go like, I'm really happy that, you know, a movie like this is getting nominated for an Oscar. This is not the type of movies you would usually see in an Oscar roster, like, you know, getting uh, or a Sundance or getting like this kind of recognition. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a ride, I would say. And um, on another note, I played a video game. I played, uh, I played a... I played a small indie game um, on the Switch uh, called uh, Short Hike. I heard good things. Yep, that's a good game. It's uh, it's just so much fun. Like I, um, I think I saw a friend of mine tweet about this uh, at some point. I was like, oh yeah, I, I missed this game uh, when it came out, and I saw it. Uh, it was on sale on uh, on uh, eShop, so I picked it up. Um, it's obviously play. You play as a bird. <laughs> um, the 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 graphic style of this game I I, I kind of like because it's a polygonal but it's like this pixelated polygonal like low res uh, a po- polygon reminiscent of like you know PlayStation One era style graphics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's isometric but still three D. Uh, you play as this bird and you 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 basically start told to like um, you have the cell phone and you need to make a phone call but in order for you to make this phone call you need to take a hike. To the summit of the mountain, because uh, that's where you can get reception. Okay. And um, yeah, you slowly make your way through the uh, through the world. You you move your way around. You you meet a bunch of characters, um, and these characters they give you stuff, and you can use um, like they can give you a fishing rod, so you learn how to fish, or they can give you an axe. So now with the axe, you can um, uh, remove some rocks, and that opens up shortcuts. Or like to give you a shovel, so now you can dig holes and you can find stuff. You find coins lying around. You find shells. Some person asks you to collect shells. Some person asks you to collect coins. Um, some characters pay st- uh, uh, sell stuff, so that you can need to collect collect those coins to get those uh, items from. Uh, until you finally make your way up to the hike, it's um, very charming. Uh, I like it's it's kind of open world in terms of like you need to reach to the hike uh, to the top of the mountain and how you get there is up to you. Um, there are some areas on like you know on your hike that are gated that require you to have a certain number of an item to be able to progress. So you need to find ways to collect that. But how you go about finding those things um, or collecting them is completely up to you. At the beginning, like mm-hmm. when that when you don't know uh, when you don't know that you go. 
oh, there's a sign that says I can go to the right to get to the mountain uh, peak, but there's also something here on the left. I'm going to go check that out. Then you go there and there's also three other areas that you can explore to this. So it's a bit of FOMO as you first start playing the game. But the more you play, <laughs> the more you realize that actually you can traverse that world a lot more easier than you think. And um, actually actively exploring the world and finding stuff around it is one of the, the, the bigger purposes of the game. So you... Uh, you give in and you go out and enjoy that. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's been very, uh, very enjoyable. Like I think the writing is very cute, very funny. Um, it made me lol a bunch of times, which is, um, you know, it's very difficult to, to do generally, but in a video game more especially. Uh, music mm. is really well made. I, I generally enjoyed the music and like, you know, got a bunch of the soundtrack already on my list. And, How long uh, is the yeah, game? It's, uh, it's in the title, really. It's a, Quite a short game. Um, <laughs> um, I think you can spend a couple of hours with the game um, and like see most of. Uh, yeah, I think like if you're a completionist, the two to three hours you'd get everything. But um, if you're like you know you want to have a quick breeze through the game, you could probably wrap it up in an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Okay, that's perfect. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Like you know, short game. Um, it's uh, it's on sale. Independent developer. Uh, yeah, give those guys some bucks and play it. So absolutely, we need we need more short games. I think I'm gonna play it this week. <laughs> <laughs> Rami, did you play anything, or just you know sitting idly oh. playing playing eight games while you wait for Mass Effect? <laughs> I um, yeah, I, I guess got, a little like, bit like, of every that. Week, I mean... Rami, every week, Rami, you go like this week has been a weird week for me. I haven't played much video games, and then you, <laughs> then I grab a pen and then you leave. Like, like, oh boy, here it comes, yeah. and there's like about you know, twelve games. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, there will be there will be some recommendations. So I I um I picked up um so mostly my game week has been booting up my PlayStation Five and refreshing the Mass Effect countdown, um <laughs> because I really 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 want to play Mass Effect again, um. And eventually you get bored of doing that. So I, I, I went back and I looked at Game Pass. You two keep talking about Game Pass. I never boot up my Xbox. I went, you know what? I'll take a look at Game Pass. And I ended up uh, picking up No Man's Sky again. Played that mm -hmm. a little. Mm -hmm. um, and it's still good. It's it's still No Man's Sky. Like It's still fun flying around the universe. But I only played it at lunch, so I haven't actually seen that major update that made it much, much better. And I keep telling myself I'm going to go back, but it's really hard. It's, it's such a huge time commitment. It's really hard right. to justify going back for the updates. So. It's a lot. The thing that I've noticed that's new is the base building, which is interesting, but not really my style of gameplay. So I did a little bit of that, and then I hit the sort of like the you got to dig for resources wall, and I was like, okay, okay. So it's still No Man's Sky. Mm -hmm. Then I uh, picked up Mirror's Edge again, the original, Ooh. and uh, that's still a good game. Yeah. Still a good game. Still makes you nauseous, though. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I've played the first 20 minutes of that game five or six times. It's one of the very few games that gives me motion sickness. I will never finish it. I give up. Right. I'm, I'm really sad about that because it looks like it's my cup of tea. It's it's really good. It remains really good. I can play for maybe two hours before I get motion sick. So I played for about two hours, and then I got motion sick. And then um, this week was a big, big week in one other way when it comes to games. Uh, my mom finished Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, she's been playing it for almost half a year now. Wow. Uh, 140 hours of gameplay, of 114 hours of gameplay. Wow. Um, I think she's going to go for the Platinum. Yeah. 
her first platinum trophy, which uh, would be really good. But yeah, she she completed the final battle, and um, it's really fun to to watch her get so much more confident with games in general. Like she's doing perfect parries and mm-hmm. uh, you know picking picking weapons based on the enemy type and wow. okay. uh, doing stuff like that. So. Um, She's really proud of the perfect berries too, which is really nice. But it was really funny watching her in the final fight, just sort of like bouncing around on her chair <laughs> with with the tension, just being like, oh, and like moving the controller and uh you know, like while while gesticulation with the uh with the controller as she was playing. Uh, it's a pretty exhausting fight. So I was really proud of her beating it in one go. Uh which was really nice. So uh, and she uh, picked a good one. Ghost of Tsushima was my game of the year last year. I loved it. It was an incredible game. And yeah, it's I like think the first uh, game I intentionally platinumed in a decade. Like I can't remember the <laughs> wow. last time I wanted to platinum a game. I so think uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen was was and near Automata, but <laughs> Nier has this trick where um, where there is a store where you can buy trophies. Hmm. So you don't have to actually achieve every achievement or trophy. You can just go to the store <laughs> and buy them. That's clever. Uh, if you have <laughs> enough money to buy them. Uh, there was there was one trophy where you Wait, had to... Wait, real money under- or in-game currency? No, 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 in-game currency. Okay, okay, okay. That's much better. <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, but there was one trophy where you had to look under the skirt of the main character, and I just refused to do that. So I could buy that one in the store and still get the achievement. And I was like, nice. Hmm. That's that saves me a lot of. That's I've it. never seen that before. That's no, really clever. Neither have I. It's very, it's very uh, Yokotaro. Um, oh, and um, um, of course, this week was the IGF nominations. Um, they came out. Uh, well, I guess by the time people are listening to it, last week. But uh, incredible list of games. Uh, the Shimas McNally Grand Prize has Paradise Killer, which you absolutely should play. A hmm. uh, Teardown, which if you haven't played it, is like. Um, do you remember what was Blundo Games' previous games? Quadrilateral Cowboy? Yeah. If you combine that with like blowing stuff up with destructible environments, that's kind of teardown. It's this Foxhole-based heist game. Uh, really fun, really interesting. Uh, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Uh, Genesis Noir, which has four nominations. Uh, Umurangi Generation and Spiritfarer. Like it... it very strongly seems to be an overwhelmingly narrative year this year in terms of uh, Shims McNally. Ah, cool. So, Spirit Fair got a nomination. It was uh, yep. on my game of the year list for last year. Yeah, I have it, a whole um, bunch of games that the uh, a whole bunch of friends that worked on that game. It's really like a big deal in Montreal. It's a wonderful game. I, I will say, I I couldn't finish it. It it went too long for me. But I can see how people would enjoy that. Would love it. Uh, I think DJ, a short hike so. won uh, won the grand prize at the 2020 IGF. Might yeah. have, might have, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of like really wonderful things in the uh, in the IGFs. Uh, Say no more. Uh, got a excellence in audio award, uh, which is basically a game about yelling no at people uh, in many <laughs> languages, including in <laughs> Arabic, and the Arabic is correct. Good. Oh, nice. um, Hud, which I mentioned on one of our previous episodes, got a nomination in Best Student Game. Yeah, nice. Uh, which is really exciting. 
Uh, for excellence in design, I have to shout out, uh, also mentioned on this uh, this very podcast before, There Is No Game Wrong Dimension got a nomination. I love um, that game. Other games you should you should check out at least in my in my personal uh, in in my personal experience. Disc Room by my former Flamberg co-founder Jan Willem Nijman, mm-hmm. uh, together with a team of of wonderful friends. Um, Science is a Sojourner. If you haven't played it, really wonderful, really strange, really good. Uh, and a Monsters Expedition uh, by Dragnet and friends. If you Dragnet has a very specific type of puzzle game. If you like that kind of puzzle game. You shouldn't miss this one. Um, in narrative, I think Haven we mentioned before. Um, yeah. So I I would absolutely recommend that one. Um, in visual, I remember in other waters, I think, might have been mentioned. Um, and Cardo, if you haven't played that, Cardo is really it's worth so it. so sweet. Yeah, I love right. Cardo. Um, there is uh, an honorable mention for a game called Omori for visual art, and that game does have a really remarkable uh, visual style. Uh, quite an intense game. How do you spell Omori? I can't find it. Uh, O-M-O-R-I. Oh, I see. Okay. Ooh, that looks nice. And then um, in the Nuovo Award, uh, Blazeball was obviously like <laughs> going to get a mention there. Yes. Um Welcome to Elk, also got a mention. And um, Airplane Mode, which is a game where you sit in an airplane and uh, it's like Flight Simulator if you were a passenger. (laughs) So you just sit there and you kind of interact with your screen and look out of the window and order a drink. And that's that's the game. It's real time, just like Flight Simulator. Uh, So if you you really miss airplanes, you (laughs) can... (laughs) <laughs> go check that one out again. <laughs> um, that's kind of it. I mean, there were some other mentions of games that I enjoyed, like Nuts, got a mention, uh, which I really liked. Uh, Liquidators, uh, which I think I mentioned on the show before as well. Uh, as always, like the IGF, like it's just full of incredible indie games. Uh, it, it does have a different, it does have a, a definite narrative slant this year, which is exciting to me because usually... IGF sort of like swings across two or three years. So um, as somebody who likes very like mechanical design, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing if we'll see a bit more of that. Uh, that said, the, the, you know, the servings were great this year. Like what an incredible list of games. That's great. That's a lot of games uh, to add to my backlog. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I mean I've played most of them, which is nice. Um, so I can, you know, the the list of games I just mentioned is my f- recommendations out of that list. Uh, so I hope you could write real fast, uh, Fozzy. <laughs> Luckily, this is recorded, Osama. So we can go back into this and like listen to what Rami was recommending for us. Right, <laughs> it looks like Paradise killer is on the top of my list now i i've heard of it i hadn't actually seen it It looks really interesting i'm looking it's really interesting it's a it's a specific game but it's really worth exploring um oh and speaking of things that i mentioned on the uh, on the podcast before uh, unbeatable now has a pretty good demo like about two hours uh or an hour ish that you should really give a go uh it's such an interesting game uh the kickstarter succeeded uh, just like the Kickstarter for uh, Alex, who was on one of the Sahur Bites. Yes. With um, nice. um, 
Spirit Swap. Uh, so uh, that's all good. Congrats to to those teams. Congrats. Uh, and then uh, what else did I? Oh, I finished Near Replicant. Ooh, tell us um, about. It's good. It's it's. I mean, it's Yokotaro. Yoko, uh, it's it's strange, and I mean, it's not. How do you describe Near Replicant? Uh, everything is terrible, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like that's kind of, that's kind of near replicant. It's like everything is terrible, and every time you think like there's hope or there's like anything good in that world gets punched in the gut, oh. right? Um, and that's kind of what the world is. And I think in it is still a seed of hope, but it's you have to search for it. <laughs> um, it's it's they have a new ending added to the game which uh, kind of is is a very strange thing but the the thing that's interesting about near i think is is two things is a the the narrative design is exquisite right they use your understanding of what games are and how games work and they kind of use that against you in the same way near automata does that um replicant is a bit it's a bit more straightforward. I think it's from a different time as well. I think it, it tries to speak more to doing doing what you believe is right, causing harm. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, it's a, it's a really powerful game. Um, I think the other thing that, that the game does really well is like setting an atmosphere, right? It's this, it's this wonderful, it's this wonderfully textured world. It's a really small world. And they use every space with enormous uh, sense of economy. Um, every place is used in every possible way. Every corner has a meaning at some point during some quest somewhere. But really, there's only like five major zones in the entire game. Um, and then, um, but the world building is really well done. Each of these places has their own culture, their own. Um, language, their own music, and and all of that is done in a in a really wonderful way, where uh, the the languages are made up. Right, it's this uh, the the music uh, in near is some of the best video games music ever, and um, mm. it it has this this almost otherworldly quality with like this the language is like a mix of english and japanese and from a mother understands french and some other languages wow that's um, an interesting mix yeah it's it's and and it's interesting because you can't follow what they're saying but somehow the music is so well done that you can follow what it means but you pick kinda. up on some words while mm-hmm. they're talking i didn't really maybe somebody who <laughs> speaks japanese would be able to but uh, it's it's. I think they they grab the phonemes more than the words, right? So it's more the sounds of it. Remember that song in English where they grab all the the phonemes in English and re reconfigure them to sound like what English sounds like to people who don't speak English. Yes, I do remember that. That one. Yeah. Uh, but then for four or five, like there was no Arabic in it. Sadly, oh. uh, I didn't hear any Arabic sounds. Also, we'll say didn't hear any Arabic rhythms or Ar- like it's very western music in general that's a uh, just shame to, because eric music is so good there yeah i mean it's very different mostly yeah. right like you can immediately recognize arabic music because yeah. it's <laughs> it it's a different school of musical thinking really like it it's you know, way like more the, rhythmical 
the you know the majority of musical instruments that um, like were used in European medieval or classic music, they all have uh, roots in Arabic music instruments in some way. Ooh, um, I'm not so surprised. Like, so like you know like the lute or uh, the lute uh, shares the ancestor with the oud that uh, you know it was used till this day as part of uh, musical instrument uh, but even like you know the the guitar has ancestry from uh, like the the word itself comes from arabic to some extent because guitar comes from spanish guitarra guitarra even mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, guitarra <laughs> comes from the arabic kithara and that's ah. like the, the origin of the word uh, how about that yeah, so like, uh, you know, like uh, stringed instruments and luthan instruments, um, they all have like some kind of um, Arabic history coming back into right. it as well. I, I always, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a music history expert, but I always feel like the things that sort of define Western music in many ways end up being, you know, like the piano. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really remember. I don't think there is an equivalent of that. In in Arabic music, is there? There's we have the, like stringed instruments, but there's the kanun is the closest thing. Well, like right. a piano is technically a stringed instrument that is hammered, right? right? You hammer right. on the strings with the with the with the keys. Um, the kanun exactly. uh, is a is a, is it's shaped even like a piano, but you put it in your lap and you right. wear like metal claws <laughs> and you pluck yeah. the strings. Right, um, yeah, it's a pluck the, instrument. The, there's there's a Persian equivalent. I'm not sure if we use it in the Middle East as well. I forgot what it's called. It looks exactly like a kanun, but instead of using right. like the claws on your finger, you have like tiny hammers. Hmm. Huh. And, you, and you kind of like start, you, like you know you hit on those strings to make um, to make music. Interesting. I don't know. Like for for me, it's always interesting because I feel like. You know, I, I did some digging uh, in somewhere in history to sort of like see where the, because like I grew up w- with like Western music and Arab music, right? Like Egyptian music, most most specifically, but Arabic music. Like there, I'm sure there was some people that were Lebanese or Syrian or whatever uh, in in the songs that I were listening uh, that I was listening to back in the days. Um, and I just I found that I found it so strange that they're so different. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I mean, again, like I was not a musical scholar. I didn't know about like quarter tones or semitones or like how quarter tones aren't you like I didn't know all that stuff yet. So I just started searching. One of the things that I, I kind of found interesting is that if you look at the evolution of, of uh, Egyptian music anyway, you can kind of tell that the, the British and the French were there. Right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the sort of famous Egyptian musicians were actually using sort of like a more jazzy like style to their music um and they kind of like started in that in that tradition of of these um these musical like what do you call it politely uh this musical invasion of (laughs) of western understanding of music um but it still managed to make it their own again which i think is very interesting uh like uh who were the old like omakuthum and um uh who was the God, there's a lot of them. Abdul Halim Hafiz, I guess, like all of that. The OGs. All the, the OGs, right? The thing that my dad listened to and just went like back in back in my days, like mm-hmm. that stuff. But um, um, like for those guys, man, like especially for Kalthum, like um, I think almost all the songs, they initially start to be written on the oud, the, the lute. Right. 
like that's the main instrument like um the 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 the, the music composer writes the music on Naoud and then distributes it over the orchestra with the string section and whatnot but uh right. um Karthum especially i think at its core is um is uh, very arabic in its tradition because it utilizes quarter notes almost entirely right. as part of how it's written yeah it was the orchestra that was really added because yes, the, exactly. the traditional the more traditional arab music was very small groups of musicians right like five maybe five or six uh, most of them on percussion and then one or two that were doing uh that that seemed at least from from what i researched back then uh, mm-hmm. one or two that seem to be doing more melodic instruments but most most of them most of it is rhythm right yeah um tabla. i found that fascinating yeah the tabla and uh, uh darbuka and you know yeah. all of that stuff yeah i mean like pop culture pop culture like especially when it comes to music uh, egypt is the biggest exporter of uh, music in the middle east i think it's it's a big part of why like almost everybody from the middle east no matter where they which country they come from they can understand the egyptian accent is because yeah, right. almost all of the pop culture and the music is in <laughs> is an egyptian accent i think lebanon is like one of the, the strong technology. exporter uh exporter right. of uh, pop culture then the gulf um but um, Egypt is definitely number one when it comes to like the exporting of pop culture, right. like the movies, the cinema, but definitely the music. And like all of those people yeah, that um, so- Rami spoke about. Yeah, like uh, Um Kalthum or uh, Abdel Halim or all these guys are all Egyptians. Even like, you know, back right. in the day, Farid Al-Atrash, I think he's Syrian. Yes. But he moved right. he moved over to Egypt and he sang Egypt. almost uh, entirely in the Egyptian accent. Uh, because it's like, like, the, you know, it's like the LA of the Middle East. Exactly, <laughs> like everybody exactly. who wants to make it is going to move to Egypt. I don't know. Hollywood, I, baby. It's in Cairo. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all must have gotten so tired of Amr Diab and stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, even I got tired of Amr Diab at some point. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. I get it. Uh, what was the song again? Amr Diab is fascinating for me, man. Like, um, right. have you seen a picture of him recently? That guy never ages. He's like he doesn't age. <laughs> he doesn't it age. It makes no all. sense. He's hit max it's, level at some point and just stopped aging yeah. since. <laughs> For sure, it makes he, no sense. He's like sixteen, so. at least. Like, but, but he looks like he's yeah, still twenty. Think, yeah, yeah. He, I think he is sixty actually. And his song yeah, no, plays I, it like every like Habibi Anur Alain plays in every everywhere. every gathering like in history. <laughs> I Habibi uh, Nurain is that one song where you're like just like you it starts and you just go like oh this one again. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I don't even know what the equivalent in Western music would be because like that's this song is so incredibly overplayed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't th- I don't think there is an equivalent not not to that level. I, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, the, you, know, you know that song is over twenty seven years old. Yeah, that's the, that's horrifying to me. Right, that song came out in 1996. Wow, that's horrifying. Yeah, came out before I was in college. Wow. Oh my god. But I remember, like, when that song came out, like all the dudes had like that, you know, three pounds of gel on their hair. 
uh, like you know yeah. <laughs> it was such a thing the Amri the, Diab look everybody like yeah. had, had their hair like super sticky like if if it if the wind <laughs> flies by the, the the hair it will like collapse because <laughs> it's like a plastic <laughs> web even the music video for that is like frustratingly overplayed. <laughs> like, it starts with just the it starts with just the drums, and it's like him walking up to this little Mediterranean village, and then there's just this music video, and you're like, okay, here we go, here we go. Here, yeah, 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 yeah. A but if you remove it from the overplaying, it's actually a really catchy song. <laughs> it's, it's a catchy song. It, yeah, it deserves it to a certain extent. Yeah. <laughs> he he did a he did a i don't know where it was but it was at uh, some event he did a song uh, africa um apparently when i was growing up i would keep singing that um and i don't know where i don't know where it was i don't know oh it's the um uh, let me see if i can find it the african olympic games Mm-hmm. Apparently, the African Olympic Games. He uh, he opened that with a song called Af- "Africa," and it was partially in French, partially in Arabic, and partially in English, I think. And I just kept singing the Arabic part when I was a toddler. <laughs> this was 1991, so I was like two years old or three years old. Um, and and that was my apparently I would not shut up. <laughs> you know, like the. Yeah. The music from uh, Algeria was also quite popular here in Europe. Uh, Rai music. Oh, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you guys know, like uh, uh, guys like Sheb Khaled, um, mm-hmm. Sheb Mami, um, yeah, Rashid Taha. They collaborated with some uh, European artists as well. They got that popular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but like those guys were like you know charting in in France. Uh, I think um, yeah. uh, Khaled like is known for Aisha, DD, like those songs yes. are uh, right. charting quite a bit. Rashid Taha, um, um, they they used to like have, have concerts all over, um, all over uh, Europe. I think like you know those guys like especially with raw music coming in from Algeria were like the kind of like the, the, the starting point of like a modern alternative uh, Arabic music. Like there's a bunch of like these right. bands right now that kind of merges super traditional folkloric music with like uh, more uh, westernized or like more modern instruments, electric guitars right. or like stuff like that, or like brass sections. Um, and they get a bit uh, popular. Yeah. I am. Um, I will say like um, uh, there's this, um, there's this band that, that I really enjoy called um, it's Cairo and then key like Cairo key, I guess. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And uh, what I liked about them is that I think they started, they started in Egypt and they did English songs and then they got kind of, they got kind of popular with that. And then I guess they had like mm-hmm. a moment of realization where they went like, no, we, we want to be popular in our own language. Uh-huh. And they switched to pretty much uh-huh. exclusively Egyptian songs. Nice. Um, yeah. I really respect them for that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's the kind of thing where I'm like, wow, could have been so easy if you just kept going in English and like just sort of ignored that part of your heritage. But I guess with the revolution and everything that happened there, like they they kind of found that need to to be in their own language. It's been a strong uh, movement like that in the Middle East. We have a very strong alternative music scene in uh, in Jordan. Um, like there was um, those guys called Autostrad. Uh, I think they've got Autostrad uh, popular. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, there's a band called Jadal. Um, they make like this kind of also alternative music. Like they sound like Muse, but they talk about like some real Arabic stuff. 
Um, there right. was a band called uh, Soul 47. I don't know if you guys oh, heard yeah, them. Yeah. But those guys are yep. like from all over the place. So uh, one of them, like, um, uh, is a dude I know that, you know, from Jordan, like he was a music producer and guitarist. He moved over to the UK. Um, the, the front man was also a rapper in Jordan that also moved over there. Um, they basically did um, electronic uh, dabka music. <laughs> so it's like um it's it's like you know it's when you when you hear the stuff you'll be like oh is there a wedding or what's going on like somebody finish uh <laughs> what's going on like there's like some some big celebrations and people are like you know doing depke all around um but they, they they're using like you know electric sounds into recreating that kind of like super folkloric dance and stuff so uh yeah super super cool band it's, it's kind of nice to see those guys um they were touring all over europe right. as well um, so it's yeah. kind of nice to see those guys. Uh, like I, I caught uh, one of their shows in Berlin once. Um, I caught the Lebanese band even once in um, in Berlin. Mashru uh, Leila. Those guys also. Berlin quite is pretty good at doing that, though. Like yeah. Berlin tends to attract people from all around the world that That's way. True, mm-hmm. true that, true that. I am. I also just enjoy seeing more of the um, of the um, the sort of like Arab diaspora around the world, like sing in Arabic more. There was this, um, um, Aliana did a, she, she did a, um, she sang Ahwag, right? Like mm. a classic, uh, but she, she sang that recently. I don't remember when it was. I came across it like a year or two years ago. Um, but I think she's like Palestinian and then South American, like Chilean. Probably. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and just, you know, like did a did a did a she sang ahwag in a more modern version i was like wow okay uh, that's that's cool i don't know if that's i don't know if like it's, i don't know if my dad would listen to it whether he would think it heresy or nice <laughs> <laughs> like it's hard to tell i, I should still, ask him i should play it for him it's still a cover uh so right. it's, it's like a nice nice mix uh yeah Shakira is like half Lebanese, half Colombian, I think. Right. Well. Yeah. True. <laughs> so true. Remember when she did the uh, when she did a, a Zakhruta, and, <laughs> and the entire Western world was like, "What is this weird thing she's done doing with her tongue?" <laughs> and everybody was like, "What?" What? There was like think pieces about what it meant for like weeks, and I'm like, "Oh my god, you people, <laughs> hire an Arab, one Arab, please." <laughs> I mean, like, I love like um, you know. Uh, like witnessing any Arab celebration or like, you know, a moment of joy <laughs> when like suddenly like any, any surface turns into a derbeke, like a desk right. um, at the table, an empty milk can. <laughs> just you know somebody grabs it and it turns into a derbeke and then the guy starts yeah. zaharit everywhere. And then yep. one person will like grab either a, a napkin or a, a tissue or if they happen to have a masbaha. <laughs> and instead right. of twirling this thing around and then there's an instant debke and uh, what i like about the debke is that like you know like immediately everybody's holding hand and if you've never done it before you're still going to be dragged into it and you can still yes. learn what it is and like for for those who've never seen it, it's like you know a bunch of people like holding hands side by side and there's a the person that's leading is like twirling something around like a napkin or a rosemary or something like this and then it's um it's a dance that revolves around the like a a bunch of different steps 
that involves you right. slamming the floor in some in some pattern before moving sideways and then dragging everybody else along. <laughs> uh, and like there's some people it's beautiful that are like to, super to good at it. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, but you yeah, don't have to be is. that good like, to practice. Like you said, it's, the, it's the basic steps. <laughs> the more to the front you get, the more ridiculous people get at it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's it's a really beautiful thing to watch. If if, if someone who's listening hasn't seen Depka, just look look up Depka videos. You're not gonna you, regret you, it. You're gonna find some very extreme Depka. Yes, like very extreme Depka. <laughs> yes. You're like, excuse me, how is this? Is this a thing? Okay. Yes, like I've seen Depka like fly off the wall. Like people right. <laughs> just like one person doesn't touch the ground for a while. That's not right. really the common kind of Depka you see. <laughs> Are you good at it, Osama? Have you done a bunch of Depka? Before. I've done a bunch of Depka. I don't. I'm very uncoordinated as a person, so no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at it, and I cannot get better at it. But every, I'd never miss an opportunity to join a Depka line. <laughs> it's just too much fun. I can't pass it up. What about you? How about you? Cozy. Yeah, oh, Go all on. the time, all the time. Of course, yeah. I'm, I'm, ter- I'm terrible at it. Terrible at you it too. myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like. I was like, you're you're front of the line. Like you were either front of the line or you're like hiding in the back. It's one or the other. No, I'm the second or third person in that's kind of like I ruined the okay. rhythm for everybody else after. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just get dragged around. <laughs> no, I yeah, love I'm, to play music, but I can't dance to save my right. life. <laughs> right. I'm I'm too tall for any of the air. That's it's, what I was gonna funny. say. I, that's because harder really for funny. tall people. <laughs> It's really funny. I read this thing about how folk dances are usually a result of the the more common body structure and builds uh-huh. in a region. So, and it made sense. It made immediate sense to me because you look at Dutch dance, and I have a relatively Dutch built body, right, two meter mm-hmm. tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at Dutch dance, and it's just like <laughs> this awful. It's like uncoordinated throwing limbs around. <laughs> and that's Dutch dancing. And I'm like, this makes a lot of sense. And then you look at the Arab dance, and a lot of it, a lot of it for Arab dances is in the shoulders and in hips. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like yeah. the and, and it's not it's not necessarily gendered. It's kind of there for for any gender yeah. or, or any body. Yeah. It's like the dances mostly happen in the shoulders and, and the hips. And uh, I have the shoulders, I can move the shoulders, but my hips don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. It's lie. not that they don't lie. They just don't. They move. don't lie. Let's <laughs> get say that. Move. They just don't do anything. Uh, so, Dubka, it's kind of hard. Well, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm the person. I'm the person of... sitting at the table, and and just sitting there like with my shoulders and clapping along. You know, I'm like the grandmas <laughs> at the table. I was about to say, if if, if you join any Arab celebration, um, if, if you can't dance, all you have to do is just uh, just stand and clap around and. Then you're part of it. Right. <laughs> Clapping is right. a totally acceptable form of dancing. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to actually mention that. Like, I I grew up really loving um, hip hop. Like, hip hop was my main uh, like style of music that I listened to, and the Arabic music influence on hip hop is huge. There was right. tons of uh, producers that would sample Arabic music or just like take their rhythm. Um, right. But like, really, what blew my not, mind? I'll pay for it, but definitely yes. sample it. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but what blew my mind uh, uh, when I was young, especially in the college years, is when um, 
I heard Arabic hip hop for the first time. Um, right. Mm-hmm. I actually heard it from a person who would later become my friend, who I later actually had a class with at college, uh, who you interviewed in one of the Sahurbites, uh, Narcy, really? the narcissist. Oh, yes. Narcy. Nice. Yes. The first time, not only was it like Arabic hip hop, with like it's English and Arabic, he'd go between the two, which already was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, a fusion of both my cultures, like both things that I loved. I grew up here, um, but like I'm from Iraq, I was born there, and it was Iraqi specifically. Like he's from Iraq as well, so I would hear like a lot of our slang and a lot of our turns of phrase, and he spoke about like uh, he spoke about like serious topics like the war and everything, and then eventually when I went to college, like this is a little bit later, I actually had a class with him and we became friends and we've been friends since. It's it's just crazy to think that um, what a huge influence that hip hop had on uh, on uh, sorry that Arab music had on hip hop, but then specifically to my life, like it's right. that is something. Man, like, what a small world! Like yeah, well, did you know that Osama and him were friends at all? No, no, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> met him because I was invited to an interview about a video game that he was also being interviewed over. Yes, so we met, we met on the Al Jazeera. <laughs> And later it's like, hey, we're friends. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. it's it's crazy because two of my students turned out to be his nephews, <laughs> which like that's <laughs> like 20 years later. Uh, they I noticed that they had the same last name and I didn't like it didn't connect. And then I, one day they, they came up and they're like, you know, we're, we're Narcy's nephews, right? It just blew my mind. <laughs> it is a small world. It is. It is. And I mean, especially, you know, when you get further from the Arab world, the, the community kind of bands together yes right like mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's kind of nice and i think i have to say music is such a nice connecting factor between the region because we can all groan at amr diab being on tv again mm-hmm. um and we can all just sort of like the dances sort of carry between the region right it doesn't mm-hmm. really even though the cultural differences are pretty big the dances are kind of the same and what yep. are your whether you're like a palestinian or a jordanian or an egyptian or an iraqi like you could probably just stand in a group of people from the other cultures and the dances would be the same or very similar. Yeah. yeah. Kind of love that. I think it's, uh, if there's one thing um, all Arabs can agree on is that if you're turning on music in the morning, it has to be Fairuz. <laughs> it's like one universally <laughs> agreed upon um, piece of information is that Fairuz is for the morning, yep. Yeah, <laughs> wherever you are. <laughs> yep yeah uh i uh i i always it's it's funny because for me a lot of music was i always felt that arab music was very old because my dad would always put it on the tv and it would always be these black and white recordings yeah so i always thought that it was like <laughs> 70 years old and it just turns out that even if it wasn't 70 well by now it's 70 years old but when i was a kid it wasn't it's just a lot of stuff was recorded in black and white back when yeah so uh, it was nice to kind of see that they're actually much closer to our day to day than I than I thought they were. But I don't know. It's it's one of the few things that I feel just connects through all of the Arab world without any friction, without any conflict, without any argument is the music. Now I'm thinking about it. It's true. It might actually be true. I, I believe so. <laughs> Oh, we'll hear, if it's not true, we'll hear about it. You know, we don't we'll get hear away about with it anything. in the Discord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of which, I uh, I think we should wrap this one up. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Fuzzy, is there any music? Any any music? Because I I I mean, I mentioned somebody. I saw mentioned somebody. Is there anybody where you said like, oh, you should listen to these people? Because you know a uh, lot of musicians. So. Yeah, I think I mentioned a bunch. So like, uh, I think a lot of that I know that Jordan, like people I know from Jordan. So like, definitely, Autostrad, Soul Forty Seven, Jadal, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, my dear friend Ala Ordi, um, Aziz Maraka. Uh, those guys super talented. Miss them all. We should see if we can get some of them on the on the podcast someday. Maybe. I yeah, it would be, be cool. Would be, be cool fun. to get them on. Could be fun. Could be fun. Well, let's look into that for now. Let's wrap it up for today, because I think that was that was that was a fun chat. I I'm, I feel like listening to a lot of music now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can play some more until Mass Effect comes out. Get some Alex Bella <laughs> to, to to play some uh-huh. of his stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Metal is the hero. Yeah, we're back to the normal intro and outro songs again. Now Ramadan exactly. is over, and I'm gonna miss the Ramadan. One. I am, but you know, Ramadan is just a couple of weeks away. Yeah, just <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be here before we know it. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Uh, check us out on the usual places. Come join us at the Discord. And for now, salam. 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 That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I was Rami Ismail, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at T-H-A underscore Rami. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias. And Fauzi Mesmar, who you can find on Twitter at Fauzi Mesmar. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. The intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubaydah. And the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea. With new episodes launching every Friday, inshallah. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening and salam. Salam.